New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Patrice Vecchioni, and she's the author of Step Into Nature, Nurturing Imagination and Spirit in Everyday Life. Patrice, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you so much. I would love for you to begin with reading a little piece from your book, uh, and it's about walking by yourself in the woods. Sure. To walk alone. The happiness of walking alone in the woods is unlike any other happiness. It's communal, but not a town hall. It's celebratory, but there's no clinking of glasses. It's incantatory without priests. Much in the way the happiness of art making or falling in love enthralls. So can this. But I don't feel the swell of joy every time that I walk alone. It's not predictable. This solitary happiness surprises me with its suddenness. That's so beautiful. It's really, really capturing something there for us about the possibility of being alone in nature. I think we don't tend to do that all that much, especially women don't go alone in nature. I was afraid at first when I was started walking alone, but after about six months of nothing bad happening to me, I found that being alone in nature does more for my imagination than being there with another person. There's no distraction when I'm there by myself. It's just me and whatever the day has to offer. And also often when we have a partner that we're walking with, we're in conversation And then that's a whole other ambience. It pulls us away from the natural world. It's not that it's it's a lovely place, of course, to have conversation in the woods. But when I want to be in the woods to be there, then I want to be alone. And I I know that you have your father-in-law. You you write a little piece about the two of you sauntering away from a family escaping. gathering. Escaping. Right. <laughs> we would escape. We did it more than once. Neither of us is, is much of an extrovert. And we would walk away from parties together and find somewhere quiet, a, a country road or some somewhere we could just walk. And we would often not speak to each other. So that's also a lovely way to be in nature is to go together, but to not talk to each other, just to enjoy the company. What's it like to be with that person when you're not engaged in conversation? It's very different. Yes, yes. I I think you wrote something about your father would often gather the family, and instead of going to church— you would go out to the backyard. Can you describe That's that? That's my father-in-law. Oh, your again, father. again, the same, the same man. man. And and so his wife was, and they were Catholic family. His wife more devout than he. And some days he would just say to his wife, who he adored, "Today we're not going to mass. We're going outside, and we're going to have mass outside in the backyard." And he would say it for. Four kids, um, and then they had five, <laughs> and um, they would go out in the backyard, and he would say, see that tree? There's God. 
See, see that squirrel? That's God. Those roses? God. I mean, what a way to re- grow up. No wonder his son, the eldest, my husband, is a backpacker and a nature lover. I mean, he was raised with the sense of God being in the natural world. How wonderful. I'm thinking of your first real introduction, the, the, the mentor that really introduced you to nature was a young boy named Patrick. That's right. Patrick Brady. We were 13. We were in middle school. And he would come to my house and we would walk up to the university campus at, at Santa Cruz. It was it just been built. You know, it was new. This was 19... Oh, gosh, 69, 1970. So it was very, very new. And we would walk in the redwood forest, and he would take my hand. And um, we would kiss sitting in, uh, amongst the trees. And I got this sense of, ooh, nature is someplace pretty special. And very sensual. Very <laughs> sensual. I, can, I mean, I just go back there. I can see yeah. and feel the down on his face. He didn't have, he was too young to have any kind of bristles there. And he spoke of the trees as almost like they were aunts and uncles. But, yeah, they were living beings, they, yeah, which they him, are. Right, and to him they were. The redwood trees were, were his forebears. So, and now that you mentioned your husband, Michael, he introduced you to backpacking in the Sierra. That was, you didn't grow up in that Oh, no, from uh, New York City and then Chicago, and I didn't like nature. I'm still not a backpacker, much to my husband's chagrin. I don't really much like sleeping on the hard ground, but I do like being out there where you are. Anywhere you look, you cannot see anything other than more granite and trees and a bear here or there and a marmot scurrying around. Right. And the stars. Oh, at night. There are so many stars, and you know, they're finding there aren't many places where we can actually see starlight anymore because there's too much electric light. So there's whole worlds up up there that we are less familiar with than our parents were because we are, don't have a chance to see what's there. And I think you, you make the suggestion that it might be a good practice to figure out some way to at least once a year go to some place where we can experience starlight. And when we do experience it, it's like to, to see the Milky Way is extraordinary. And shooting stars, you, and, you know, go out there and you can't help but see shooting stars. And also just to see the darkness, to be in real darkness, different than than darkness inside, to be in real deep darkness and to get the light from looking up. It's it's it changes you. And uh I I know my husband and I we at one summer we slept outside every night for the whole summer because in, in northern california it doesn't usually rain so right you you kind of have that opportunity and we were up on the side of a of a mountain in northern california and our bed was outside and we just stayed there for like three months and it was extraordinary. I mean, we would have wild boar that would wake us up in the night snuffling around. And you'd wake up in the morning and 10 feet away from the bed is a deer munching on something. And then it was very, very hard to sleep when the full moon came. Mm. 
because it is extraordinarily bright. Right. It's like a flashlight in your eyes. You have to put the pillow on top of your head. You do, you do. <laughs> and we had a little kitty, Penelope, and so we would leave the house and we'd go towards our bed and she wouldn't come with us until it was the full moon night. And then she would come with us and jump in bed with us. Isn't it wow. extraordinary? She wanted to be out there. She at wanted that to time. be up, but it was too scary for her. Right. She was, you know, kind of a city cat and she'd moved out to the country with us and she was a little apprehensive about being out there with wild boar. And, I can understand. And even mountain lion lived up on the mountain. So, you know, it, but it was an extraordinary experience. And I, I feel so privileged that we had it. Yeah, you are privileged to have had it. Yeah. Once I went backpacking when I was in high school for two weeks with a, my high school boyfriend, and he wanted to go climb a higher peak for a couple days. And I had been so sunburnt I couldn't do it. So he left, which was fine. And I went into my little tent. And in the night, I heard something. And there was a young deer. And so I brought my sleeping bag outside the tent. And all night, she walked around the perimeter of my camp. And in Almost the morning, like it, that's how it felt like she was protecting me. And that was my experience. That, yeah. That's so beautiful. I, I also remember one time driving from San Francisco up to, um, to Mendocino. And I looked up just north of Cloverdale. I looked up in the sky and I saw something. I, I wasn't in tune with the news or anything. I saw this weird thing in the sky, the night sky. And it turned out to be the Hale-Bopp comet. Oh, you just happened to see it. That's incredible. I was astounded that I even knew that this was a strangeness in the night sky. Mm -hmm. I mean, the light must have been different. The, the light, I could see that... Wait a minute, this it, it just looks strange in the sky. It had a tail and I didn't know that there was this comet that people were looking at and and it had this strange light and a tail. And it had some other light with it. And you know, we're we're not familiar with that. We we mm -hmm. we we've gotten so far away from that. But you knew to look. Cuz I think there is something because we're not that far from our, our ancestral being nature, from our original nature, that we, we do recognize, oh, wait, the light is different, or something makes you, you look up at the sky. And I remember you telling the story of animals, like, warning you, and there was an owl that once warned you yep. of something. And can you tell that story? Yeah, I was walking alone in the woods very early in, on a foggy morning, and an owl swooped down and flew maybe six feet or so, maybe less, in front of me. And it kept flying along the trail, so I kept following it until it flew out of view. And I felt it was a warning, but I had no idea what it was warning me about. You know, various cultures look at owls as, you know, sign of foreboding or possibly death, or I just took it as pay attention. And it, not that long after, a week or so after, I was driving in the park, and I heard the sound of a tree about to fall. And you hear that, you know, if you walk in the woods, and it's a loud sound, but I thought it was fairly far away. And I heard a voice in my head say, drive faster. And so I put the gas on, and the tree fell right behind my car. 
Now, had I not put the gas on, the tree would have fallen across my car. Whether it would have hurt me, I don't know, but it would have wrecked my car, and undoubtedly, it was a very large Monterey pine. And I think it was the owl. I attribute it to the owl. Yes, yes, I can understand. And now, in in your work, you really talk about being in nature and imagination and being inspired by nature, and you also talk about art making and how that's just such a human activity and you encourage us to make art to go for it and to to kind of combine the two so i'd love for you to say something about that so i found through walking in the woods that my imagination was enlivened i didn't plan on it i went to the woods for exercise very mundane you know desire important but mundane and it was like the trees began talking to me and they didn't speak in english or anything but while i was before i was writing this book and while i was writing my book step into nature i would go for walks and i would get ideas and they felt given to me by the natural world. Ideas for writing, ideas for collage, ideas for poems. And I would go home and then follow through on the experience that I had out in the natural world. So I think being in nature, I know, (laughs) I don't think, I know being in nature supports imaginative thinking. So may we all create that in our own lives and participate in that way. Thank you so much for being with us today on the New Dimensions Cafe. Thank you, Justine. I've been speaking with Patrice Vecchioni, and she spells her name V is in Victor, E-C-C-H-I-O-N-E, Vecchioni, Patrice Vecchioni, and she's the author of Step Into Nature, Nurturing Imagination and Spirit in Everyday Life. And if you want to know more about her work, you can go to her website, patricevecchioni.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe and ask you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.